Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Thank you for dragging yourselves away from the Olympics. And uh, come on, who was late because they were watching Brazil eventually uh, win the soccer final? No, you're all just, no. Oh, maybe they're all at home because they didn't, because it was so close to the start of church. If you're wondering, Brazil got up over Germany in um, penalty shootout. I think it was. So, um, yeah, it's great to see you all here this morning. And to those in the cloud listening to this on Monday or throughout the week, um, Hope you enjoyed the game. <laughs> cool. The Olympics are a, um, they're an amazing time, aren't they? We just get to watch and, and see some amazing people do some amazing things for a couple of weeks. What I love about the Olympics is how we get to see stories of hope you know, really grow and we, we grab a hold of, you know, Brazil as a nation, I'm sure they've already declared tomorrow a public holiday um, and nationwide as a result of the men winning the soccer final. Um, the other one, and you know, for us as a nation, we we really we live in hope as as a real sporting nation for that that we as, as somewhat as underdogs as a, a younger nation with a whole lot less people that we could really take it to some of those, um, particularly the Americans. We love to give it to the Americans, don't we, and win some of those gold medals. Maybe the British, very close second. Is no poms here this morning. Apologies if I'm offending anybody on that one, but we we long for that glory for our nation and for for our underdogs like the um, modern pentathlete that yeah you know just just like yeah I'm hope fulfilled in that young lady I live in hope um today that my son Nathan playing his under 12 final is winning currently right now hopefully in living in he is I'm getting messages <laughs> we're getting messages or I'm not the leader is <laughs> My phone is in my pocket, everybody. I won't look at it, I promise, unless I'm reading the Bible. The, <laughs> the other stories of hope that are arising out of the Olympics and that I just really love to hear are the refugees, those representing the refugees and just how much hope you see in, in people that have just lived through so much circumstance and yet they're just so excited that their story is getting out there, that as a result of them, they know for a look, a lot of them are not going to win any medals, but just competing to represent, shining the light, bringing hope to their circumstances and their representation to other refugees that are really hurting. It's great to be watching. And hope is a word that I have been reflecting on for quite a while with the Lord. And as when you, if you preach or if you teach, whenever the Lord gives you something to speak on, it feels like everything suddenly becomes about that topic. You just can't get away from it. <laughs> Whenever you're, everybody who prepares for teaching is all smiling and nodding and going, yeah, it does feel like that. So much so that the Lord affirmed for me that I saw in the back of a car a quote I've never seen and it said, and I was asking the Lord, am I meant to really speak about this topic? And I saw in the back of the car, it said, all hope is lost. And I'm like, all right, maybe I will talk about that topic on Sunday and we'll go after that one. I often do wonder, though, I, li I work in an environment around a lot of non-Christians in a government um, scene, and I often wonder as I, I listen to people and their stories, what do they lean on for hope in this world? We all need it in some way, shape or form. But what do they lean on? And I often find myself praying for them as I, as I hear their stories and just asking, Jesus, would you come and be their hope? Because anything they hope in is temporal. And it also, it requires a lot of effort, 
and often ends in a lot of addiction. What do I mean by that? Well, take gambling or, or the lottery, you know, that hope of a, a greater life because you win money, that the next card will fall the right way or the next ball will drop with the right number or the next horse will get across the line before uh, the others do. And it just sucks people in of that that longing and, and that hope for a, a better future because I need more money and I can get the dream home and all those kinds of things that can happen. And so today I wanna, we're going to have a, a close look, if you haven't figured it out already, at the area of hope. There are a few reasons for this. First, as I said before, the Holy Spirit told me to. So I do it because he said to do it. That's first and foremost the reason to do it. But as we have been focusing on the gifts of the Spirit, and Kirk's been doing an amazing job, what they are, how they function in the body and outside the church, and for many of us going through a discovery process of some of the gifts we might have. Uh, if you were here last week, who was here last week? It's not a test today. I'm just interested to know who heard Kirk speak on discerning spirits last week. If you weren't here, get on SoundCloud and have a listen to that teaching unbelievable cracker absolute cracker of a word around um, discernment reason why I say that is because many of you probably have the gift of discernment and you don't even know it or the Holy Spirit at times will come on you and give you that gift if it's a temporary thing and not a primary thing and you'll feel weird when you have it and Kirk does a really great job in his message of, t- of teaching through that what what does it feel like what does it look like and, and what happens I really encourage you um, to get online and also, if you haven't heard any other of the, his talks on, on spiritual gifts, listen to them all. He's just doing an amazing job of leading and guiding us and encouraging us in the use of the gifts of the Spirit, what they might be, how they operate, what, it, what to look out for. Just uh, get on there and have a listen to all of those. As one who, who has often moved in the gift of discernment, I wish I had heard that word that he spoke last week when I was a teenager probably would have solved a lot of some of my confidence issues because feeling weird about what I was seeing, thinking or feeling and not understanding what was going on. So I really encourage you to have a listen if you ever feel like that. But Kirk also mentioned last week in his message that we, we often see in part and we hear in part and you've heard him say that quite a bit of late. Have you, yep, can I? You all there? Give me a nod. No, no, he's heard it. Good. He'll be happy to know that you've all heard that <laughs> message. And as he said this, I was really led to read 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul does talk those words we see in part and we hear in part. And while um, in that passage, Paul spends a lot of time talking about love in 1 Corinthians, I want to focus on the back end of that passage today. Um, it's such an interesting little package, uh, passage, and it's dead smack in the middle of these two important um um, chapters around spiritual gifts. We've spent a lot of time in 1 Corinthians 12 over a little while. We've spent a lot of time over the last year talking about love and particularly we've used that 1 Corinthians uh, 13 passage a little bit as well. And then uh, on the back end of, of chapter 14, Paul jumps back in uh, to talk about more of the spiritual gifts, how they operate, how they should operate. And uh, I found it really intriguing that this little passage uh, is, is camped right in the middle and creamed between these uh, very practical uh, teaching. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. So actually, let's go there right now. If you've got your Bibles, sorry I haven't put it up on the screen today. Apologies, guys. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. What I might do 
is I'm going to read it out of the message to you. So if you have the ability and you can go to the message, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the whole chapter in the message and then the bit that I want to focus on today, I'll go back and I'll read that in the NIV for you as well. Um, I think it might be helpful to understanding this passage if you read both today. Let's pray first. I really love to thank God for his word and the truth it brings, so let's do that together now. Lord, we do thank you for your word, the truth that speaks to us and how it guides us in our daily life of being a disciple of yours. Uh, as we look at this area of hope this morning, it is my great hope that you will be glorified, that freedom, more freedom would come to your people and most of all, I pray with all I am that we will see you clearer today, that we will know you more deeply and we will understand who we are in you. We do this all for your glory, Jesus, in your name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but I don't love, I'm nothing but a creaking and but creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in, follow, in, in follow, flowering, in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, keeps going to the end. Here's the part of the interesting part, these next chapters. Focus on these. Love never dies. Inspired speech will someday, will, will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. We know only a portion of the truth. And what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete, in capital letters, being Jesus, arrives, our incompletes will be cancelled. When I was an infant, at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for now... Until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of these three is love. It's an amazing passage, huh? Let me just now read that back end in the NIV for those that might help you a little bit. Love... Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, I'm reading from verse 8. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. 
For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Great little passage. And reading from verse 8 and following, I want to just point out two things that I think Paul is saying here. First thing, Paul is stressing, and it's a bit of a no-brainer, but I want to state it just in case. Paul is stressing the importance here of seeing in part and hearing in part in relation to Jesus himself. No-brainer? Okay, all good with that? Everybody's okay with that? So we're growing the now and the not yet of the kingdom. We're growing, we see in part, we live our life, we discover more of who he is, we get to see more and more as we grow in our, in our faith and in our discipleship with Jesus. But the second thing I want to point out, if we consider the context, like I said, of where this passage sits, either side of these two chapters, in the middle, sorry, it's not either side, in the middle of these two chapters, and, and in the context of the spiritual gifts, I think in part what Paul is also saying here is that they're going to be temporal. They're for here. They're for now. But when we're in heaven, it's done. It's all finished. We Think about it. Kirk's banged on this a lot. What did he call it? A, a crashing gong? Wasn't it, Neil? It was a crashing gong, not a clashing sim or something like that anyway. He got it wrong. Calling you out, Kirk, publicly. Um, that... He's been banging on about this for a little while. Who are the gifts of the Spirit for? You can answer. Who are they for? You? Yeah. They're for the church. They're for the church. The gifts that we have are not for ourselves. They're from the church. So once we pass this earth and we see Jesus, obviously when we're seeing Jesus fully and clearly, we know that Paul's talking about we've died. We're on, on the other side of eternity. Do we need those gifts anymore for the church? No. And I think that's why he says, we'll prophesy, we prophesy, but those words will stop. Why? Because we're in the presence of Jesus. We don't need the words. We're there. We see him face to face and directly. I thought about this and I'm like, this, will be, this is going to be a funny process, Lord, because I'm going to go up to him and I'm going to be able to ask him my questions or state those things face to face. And I'm going to go up and I'm going to go, Jesus, and I'm going to see him. I'm going to be like, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Down I go on worshipping. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And then I'm going to come back up just like the others and go, Jesus, no, there's something new about you. Down I go again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and continually worship him. I don't know, maybe he'll stop me after a little while from going up and down like the 24 elders are just continually seeing something new about him every time I come back up and look at him and he'll finally say, so just ask the question, stop it, it's okay, just ask the question. I don't know, it might be like that, it, it might not. <laughs> but all that to stay, the gifts that we have, and it stands to reason that a time will come, we will enter into eternity, see Jesus fully, and those gifts will no longer be required. But while we are here, while we are on earth, 
Paul's very clear. The three things that are going to drive us and are going to push us forward in growing in those things and in seeing more clearly, Jesus more clearly, are faith, hope and love. I think that's the message he's trying to drive through the Corinthian church as he speaks those words. Because it's, it's, it's a little bit weird, isn't it, with the way it reads in between these two chapters as you take it into full context. But if you begin to apply the word in, in, in conjunction with the context, it's like, oh, okay, maybe this is what you're trying to tell us, that we need to continue to grow. We need to act in faith, hope and love in the spiritual gifts and in discovering who Jesus is. But there'll be a time where that's going to finish and we'll be with Jesus. So to you theologians out there who want to muck around with this, will faith and hope exist in heaven when you cross to the other side of eternity? And if you want to, I'm going to out these two because they've heckled me all week. You can go and talk to Neil MacArthur and Trent Jacobs and ask them that question about whether or not faith and hope will exist in heaven. Over to you, Neil and Trent. Enjoy those conversations with people when that happens. <laughs> they've given me some stick this week trying to challenge me because when you get that theological topic of discussion, you start throwing each other curveballs and stuff like that. So copped it this week. So go throw your questions to them if you want to um, ask them those kind of questions. It is a good thing to think about though. These three things, faith, hope and love, they are the foundation of a disciple of Jesus' life. All three are in, through, and for Jesus. And so today I want to spend a little bit of time talking about hope and offer some encouragement in that area. Because hope is directly linked and intimately, directly and intimately linked with faith and love, as shown in 1 Corinthians. Because faith is what? Would you, anybody remember the definition of faith from scripture? I love audience. You've got to get used to me when I preach, you guys. You know I'm going to ask you some questions. You're just going to be bold and speak it out. I know somebody knows this off by heart. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Faith is being sure of what you hope for, the link, the intimate link between the two. Hope can be defined as a... in this, in the worldly context, don't do it. I like my ears and my hearing. In the worldly context, as a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen, or at least if you don't know Jesus, that you just might have that expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. Hope for the disciple of Jesus contains elements of that definition, but is so much more. Hope for the disciple of Jesus is very different. Our hope is in him. It's in the person of Jesus and who he is and who he said he will be. Everything that we hope for comes through that filter. Does that make sense? I'm going to show you a little picture, not yet, Luke, not yet, in just a minute. It's who he is because we know him. We know him. We know his great love. We're experiencing his great love, hopefully, for each one of us on a daily basis. If you're not, it's available and we need to get on that um, train real quick and get that happening for you. His love is abounding and available for us every single day. And we know his great deeds. So we, it's about who he is because he's doing things in our lives on a continual basis and proving himself to be all he said he is and would be. 
and it's who he said he would be because we live in the now and the not yet of the kingdom. So there are aspects that we haven't seen the fulfillment of the kingdom come into our lives yet, but we still live in the hope because of who he is that they will actually occur, right? Because, wow, tough crowd today. (laughs) You leave me hanging up here. It's about who will be. And so we live in hope, which drives our faith to wait patiently for Jesus to prove himself to be all that he said it would be, and ultimately that he is good. Ultimately that he is good. And I've been praying about this a lot on my daily journey to the city for work, sitting on the train for 40 minutes every day. Um, such an awesome time. Um, <laughs> sitting there praying. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why do we often lack hope in the circumstances of our lives? Why, why do we continually go through that process where we seem to lack hope? And I felt like he said to me, that that's a very generalized over a long period of a few hours of conversation with, with the Lord. And eventually I felt like he said, Scott, it depends what lens you're looking through as you approach the circumstance to where hope is required. And so getting excitement at the, at the engagement happening, I said the obvious thing that, apart from the very obvious thing that I always say to the Lord, you know, help, you know, where, help, I need your help, Lord. But, uh, other things in conversation where he tells me something that I often ask him and find myself saying is, Lord, you know, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? What does that mean? And I felt like he showed me a picture and, and I want to just kind of show you that. Hopefully I do it justice. It might need to go through a few iterations, but this is my initial um, picture that I kind, kind of saw. Can we get it up there, Luke? Yeah. <clears throat> so this is the initial picture I saw. What we often do is we approach circumstances where we need faith and hope to overcome and move through. And what we often do is we move and we focus heavily and we move towards that circumstance. So the walls represent the circumstance. I could have used maybe a forest, I don't know, or whatever else. But they're presented in front of us and they feel like a, an impassable, impenetrable, out of control, all, all of the above things because hope in terms of circumstantial change can be, it's so broad. I acknowledge that this morning and I want to acknowledge that this morning that some of what I say, it's a very broad topic, okay? So we approach these circumstances and often what we do is we, we try and either we, we run up to them and then we get to the circumstance and we, we're like, we're looking left, we're looking right and it seems to go as far east and as far west. East, yes, far east and as far west as we can possibly see. And we look up and it seems to be just completely all of our vision is taken up with this circumstance and we just can't find our way through or over the circumstance. And then all of a sudden, once we get to that place, we go, Jesus, where are you? Where, I, I, I need hope. I, I, I need to know that you're here. Where are you? And, and so whether it be a crowd or a forest, we're trying to find him in the mix of everything that's going on. And I felt like the Lord said, Scott, you need to, you need to switch your lens over. And so Luke, Luke, let's move to the next slide. This is a better way to look at the circumstance and how we approach hope. And if you can't see, you're on the bottom left in that little dot down there. And your circumstance is the far right little speck 
that you can see over on the right. But if that's not helpful, Luke, just go to the next slide. That might help you with perspective a little bit more. But if we approach first at the magnitude and the greatness and who Jesus said he is and he would be, who he has proven himself to be time and time and time again in our lives, if we approach a circumstance through that lens, then maybe we can live with a little more hope as we approach and move through those circumstances. Does that kind of make sense to everybody? Yeah? Cool. Great. I know when you're trying to talk about these kind of things, suddenly to try and draw a diagram can be really restrictive and put frames around it that maybe you're not wanting to as much, but I think you get get what I'm saying there and what that picture was because I'm going to continue to talk to the Lord about it and put it through some iterations and continue to develop it. The other thing the Lord said to me as I pondered this picture and I thought about my own circumstances, he said, Scott, where you have no hope, you despair. You move into a place of disappointment and despair. And, and when you do this, the danger that you face is that the enemy will try and isolate you. Because a person without hope will, will often not want to, and, and, and he talked to me about my own life and, and circumstances I've been through where I've really lacked hope in my life. He's like, you don't want to be around people that are full of hope. You don't like to be around people that are full of hope. And the enemy uses that to begin to isolate you away from the body of Jesus and therefore move you away from Jesus himself as being Lord and Saviour of your life because that's his objective. Get your eyes off Jesus and away from him as your true Lord and Saviour. That's his objective. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's about continually. And then... um. Then I continued to ponder and, and I really felt like at this point um, that I was meant to ask Belinda to come up and um, tell a little bit about her story of what it's been like as we as a family and for herself have approached different circumstances and, and, and living through hope or sometimes hopelessness and how we have, um, have moved through that. So I'm really thankful and really stoked. This is the first time that we've done this uh, together, speaking together. So I'm very excited about this and I'm going to take care of technology for her. Uh, we just, <laughs> I might not be here next week, everybody. <laughs> I might die, but hang on a minute. <laughs> um, no, all good. So that just buzzed off on my phone. Um, yeah, just in, um, I just wanted to talk about, um, yeah, as Scott was talking about, just finding that hope in the hopelessness. And as he just mentioned, it's like, how quick do we turn to Jesus? How quick do we do that? I'm going to talk about, um, I think it's about four different scenarios that I've had um, Obviously, there's been many, many more, but I've just pointed it down to about four and different people are taken on in different forms in your own lives. And I think by the end of it, I want you to think about a time and a circumstance where you felt hopelessness, but where has hope come in and amongst those circumstances? And it can be a really short time or it can be a really, really long time, but there's been hope at the end of it somewhere in and amongst that. So... Um, so when I was um, about 20 years old, um, my parents who were ministers of a church... And I get really emotional, <laughs> so don't, yeah, just just 
here through that. Um, they were ministers of a church and um, they, were sep- they, um, they separated. And it's like, God, how does this happen? My parents, uh, I did put them on a pedestal and they were, you know, it's like, how does this happen to people in the church? Like, it shouldn't, it shouldn't happen, but it does. Um, fortunately, at that time, I went straight back to the church. You know, it was my decision. I wasn't being dragged along by my parents. They actually lived interstate and, and things like that. Well, I walked back into a church and um, there happened to be somebody doing a testimony that night on how their parents had separated and he's now my husband. So that was my hope. It happened really quickly that time. So, <laughs> so sometimes it happens quick, other times. So that was, that was one. Um, you all know we've got um, four handsome young men. I've got one in here today. One's playing football and the other's about doing different things. But, um, yes, certainly, I get asked all the time, well, did you hope for a little girl? Did you want a little girl? Well, yeah, I did. Of course I did. <laughs> By number three, we were just like, come on, Lord, come on, Lord. It can happen now. It can happen now, but it wasn't meant to be. And then number four wasn't meant to be either. But number four, his middle name was going to be Joy. If it was going to happen, then it was going to be Joy. And we had a word spoken over to us in my last trimester, and it was Joy. We already knew it was a boy. And it was like, Lord, it's on you if you change any of the anatomy that's happening inside of me. But <laughs> And I can keep praying for that. But it wasn't meant to be. But, and for all of you who know my seven-year-old, he brings the most joy not that any of my other children don't, but he brings the most joy to our lives and our family in any type of circumstance. And at that point in time, we certainly needed it. I remember Nathan, um, he was, he, Nathan's our third child. He was so excited about having a little sister. We brought him into the um, ultrasound room after we found out there was going to be a boy. And he's quite you know, he, he's quite level, isn't he? But when he eventually gets emotional, he really gets emotional. And we told him at this time, and often when you tell him something, he's got a process and he'll stop and he'll think and he'll blink and, and all those things. And, and we told him, it's, you, you're going to have a little brother. He lost it. He, he was like, no, I'm having a little sister. He was so angry at the time. He was living in hope for a little girl too. And there's different hope in different things. So yes, we're hoping for a girl, but what came out of it? was a healthy little boy and a healthy, you know, boy that brought us joy. So that was the hope then that we found in, in and amongst other circumstances of life that wasn't necessarily pleasant at the time. Um, so um, after we got married, um, you know, as you, as you do, probably more so as a, as a female, we, we long for the husband, we long for the house, we long for the family, you know, all those life dreams. And that doesn't necessarily happen to everybody in that way or any, you know, different, your life ends up looking very, everybody's lives end up looking very, very different. So after we married in 1998, we decided to, um, and with God's help, travelled um, to the USA and we were at the Vineyard School of Ministry um, for nearly four years. We had two beautiful children over there. Um, and um, But everybody at home, like all our close friends and family, were, you know, all getting married, building houses, buying houses, you know, having kids, all those things. And so we came home and we also longed for our own, longed for our own home. And it wasn't meant to be at the time we went into ministry. We've, you know, served in ministry for seven plus years and things like that in different states and, you know, travelled around different places. We've met many wonderful people and seen lots of many wonderful things happen in Australia and, and overseas. And, um, and we've lived in many houses, more than I can count on my two hands and probably, well, not quite my toes included, but 
Yeah, yeah, it's getting up there. It's a bit sad. Well, finally in the last month, so 18 years later, we purchased our own home. So hope does come. Sometimes takes a really, really long time. But, um, yeah, it does come. So, yeah. So I just, but I want you to think about in that, like, what is, where has your hopelessness been and where then has God, you know, brought hope to you in any circumstance and story and things like that? Well done, hon. You can take, even though I might be crying now, you can take those. Thanks, honey. Um, it's a really great point that Belinda makes because, you know, where are you, God, in the midst of delay? And, and hope not being fulfilled uh, in the way we, we think it might. And again, I asked the Lord about that. And, I, and again, I felt it like he said, you know, Scott, it's not, it's, it's not so much that we, um, that we ask the questions of him. In fact, he wants us to. If you are not convinced that God wants you to really tell him how you feel, then go and read the Psalms really closely. Go and read some of those Old, Old Testament books. Read Job really closely and you will see that God invites the conversation really clearly and says, I, I do want you to talk to me about where am I, what's going on. But what I felt like he said is, and I, I understand how simple this can sound, but in reality the practice is hard, but I'm going to just state it. He's big and he's good. And any time we get into those circumstances, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm ultimately good. Will you believe I'm ultimately good? Ask me the questions, but do it from a place of knowing I am good. I am good. And I, and the plans that he has for us. And I get I, that that is a, a very broad statement around a whole lot of life issues that can go on. I, I understand that. But the wrestle in the midst of that understanding that God is good. He is good, and he really, 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 and he longs for relationship with us. He longs for it. So in the midst of all of those circumstances and the hope that you have, his purpose in the midst, I can guarantee you, and it's our experience, is he longs for relationship with you. He longs to show himself to you in many different ways, shapes and forms. He longs to do it. I, I can't speak about it just now because there's just so many ways, but you just need to hear me say he longs to show himself to us in the midst of those circumstances and prove himself to be true, to prove himself as the faithful one when we are faithless, to prove himself as the one that is good continually, to prove that he loves us unconditionally more than we can understand or imagine, that we continually would get more and more and more understanding and knowledge of that and we would see more clearly because now we see in part. And as we went through the buying of the house, um, we, uh, we, you know, it wasn't smooth sailing. It was a really stressful time and, and we were in a wrestle 
uh, around that, we, we got rejected. We, we found this home. I'll tell you very quickly the story. We found the home that we're currently in. About six years ago, we were in a rental that when we first moved to Brisbane and we were in this home and we would often talk about things that we would do to it if it was our own and we, you know, this and that and, and just kind of just chatted about it and what it would be. We left that home and as we left that home, um, I felt like the Lord said, Scott, you're not done in this house. I'm like, that is weird, random, I can't buy it, I haven't got the money for it, this is crazy, that's got to be, as Kirk said last week, last night's pizza, and just let kind of held it, but, but kind of let it go. It just was I couldn't do anything with it. I was about to move to another rental place and just couldn't do anything with that. Well, we ran, went and looked through the house we're now living in, and we opened the doors and we walked in, and within a few steps of seeing the home, this is why it's great that Belinda said that. Belinda stopped and turned to me and she said, it's the first home we lived in when we came to Brisbane. And then I realised it was, it was the layout of the house that we lived in when we were in Brisbane, but reversed. What was on the left was on the right and backwards and forwards. And as soon as Belinda said that, the Lord said to me, Scott, you, I told you, you're not done in this house. I just thought it was that house. I didn't realise there was a plan, so I maybe should have asked a few more questions <laughs> and saw the Lord about it. But um, he said, I, and, and I just want to say to you, and the point of that story in this story is not everybody gets their own home. Please don't hear us saying that. And please don't hear us saying the point of hope is that we get for possessions. It's not, it's not what we're talking about. What we're trying to say to you is, in the midst of all of that, the relationship that we found with Jesus and how he revealed himself is why we stand here now and testify to that. God knows the desires of your heart. He knows them and he wants to see them fulfilled. All of them. All of them. He loves to bless his kids. All of them. So I'm not adhering to a prosperity gospel or anything, name it and claim it kind of deal. It's not what I'm doing. What I'm trying to do is put Jesus like that picture right out in front of us all and say it's about him and approaching him with hope based on who he is and who he said he would be. And I want to just quickly read you a song that we feel, I love to give you guys songs when we get up here, um, when I get up here, because worship for me is the avenue where in this kind of circumstance I can reorientate my thinking because it speaks the truth of who God is and it takes my eyes off the circumstance and places them onto him. And I just thank Trent and the worship team so much for this morning because they just proved the point this morning as we worshiped. It was just so great. Jesus right in front of us, right there, proving who he is and who we said we would be all in the midst of worship was just great. This song is by... Um, um, Christine DeMarco, I think is her name, and it's called Take Courage. So however you want to do this right now, maybe with all of the circumstances and as you're approaching, like Belinda said, you've got them in your mind. Maybe you just want to close your eyes as I read this song um, to you and you can just talk, we'll, we'll talk about ministry and what we're going to do after that. But just let these words sink deep into your heart right now. Slow down, take time. Breathe in, he said. He'll reveal what's to come. The thoughts in his mind, always higher than mine. He'll reveal all to come. Take courage, my heart, and stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. 
He's never failing. He's never failing. Sing praise, my soul. Find strength in joy. Let his words lead you on. Do not forget his great faithfulness. He'll finish all he's begun. You who hold the stars, who called them each by name, you'll surely keep your promise to me that I will rise in victory. And then she goes on in that song and she sings a repetitive statement, which I think is prophetic. Miracles happen when you fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. It is a beautiful song, and, and you go and listen to it on YouTube. Just type in Take Courage, Christine DeMarco, and it'll come up and you can have a listen to that. But it was in the midst of us buying that house that that, that song came to me from the Lord. And, and, it was, and when we got rejected with our first application and we didn't have the home, we were on a, then on a time limit, and suddenly it's like, Lord, are you, are you going to do this? You know, we feel like you've promised it. What's going to, are we going to be disappointed again? All those kind of questions. And I stopped when I heard that song. And I just started to lean into that picture and went, no, no, no. Anything I think and feel right now, I'm going to put through the filter of who Jesus is, who he said he would be, what he's done in my life, and what he wants to do in my life. And when I did that, I can't begin to tell you the sense of peace. That's the only word I can use to describe it that came over me. Not an overbearing confidence or anything, you know, name it and claim it faith, but this peace and that it's done. It's done. Now, I didn't know if we'd get it or not, but what I just knew was it's done and he's going to take care of us. That's what I held on to. No matter what happens, he is good and it's going to get done. And we we went through those weeks and, and well, a couple of days after that and we eventually got the approval for the loan. Praise Jesus. This morning, I really believe that the Lord wants to restore hope to people in the room who may need that to actually occur. We've used a few specific examples from our life and, and hopefully that, hopefully, that has stirred in you the things that you've got before the Lord where you are crying out for, for change to occur and your hope is that they will actually occur. And I believe this morning... Um, you know, we live in a, generally from a place of hope that in Jesus, you know, he is, yep, I'm saved, my hope is in him, and we just live day after day with that, with that knowledge sitting in the background. But there's circumstances that come our way where hope is required to see the change occur that'll activate our faith. And I encourage you to go in your kinships or in your personal reading and, and look at, have a think about that, the connection between faith and hope and how those two work together. Um, I encourage you to do that. I've really enjoyed doing that over the last few weeks. But where your faith would be activated as you live in hope, and, and they are an intense journey. There's some specific times where they really um, come to the fore and we have to really hope. And, and I think I felt like, not I think, I know that the Holy Spirit told me a couple of them this morning and one of them was around financial pressures and, and, the, and realities or the other one was around medical circumstances that are going on for you uh, and it can make that journey of hope a real wrestle. Um, the other one I wanted to felt like the Lord wanted to hone in on. Kirk spoke last weekend about loving the church, because it's really important, and it's time for, and you got people to come forward for prayer around that. 
if you receive prayer for that, I felt like the Lord said, now that I've done some work in those people around the area of loving the church, I actually want to restore hope in them for the plans that I have for the church to bring the kingdom of God to the place. And so I feel like when that happens for a few of you, what you're going to find is that um, probably some more spiritual gifts, they're, they're going to rise up real quick. The things that Kirk's been talking about, I, th- I feel like when you actually allow hope to return of what the body of Jesus can achieve, then those gifts are going to come back real strong and real fast uh, for you. So be prepared for that. But I feel like the Lord wants to um, um, restore the, that area of hope in, in terms of who the body of Jesus is and who she said she would be in the world and what she would do. Um, cool. All right, can we stand? I don't think Trent's here, is Trent? No. Okay, we'll see how we go with worship music in the background um, while we're doing ministry time. So, great. Nikki and Sean, thanks guys. I appreciate that. So, um, restored hope. There are people here that in many different ways and circumstances need restored hope. Um, Ollie also, I, I think that that's probably a word as well around uh, family members. I hope that they will actually um, be saved. And another one I think that the Lord has obviously presented this morning as, as being something that he wants to uh, deal with through her testimony as well. So if you need that, there's just so many. But they're the ones that I think that have been highlighted. But don't let that stop you coming forward because we haven't directly said it's exactly this, that the hope needs to be restored to your life. Be bold and chase the Lord for that and and who and trusting and activating your faith in who he is and come forward and let uh, hope be restored we also as we always do um, have and i love this words of knowledge for some healing this morning uh, so you're going to have to be clear when people come forward. You need to ask the person if you're praying, what, what are you here for? Because uh, there's quite a few things going on this morning in ministry time. So there's some people here with a sore or stiff knees.